Hey, this is the Bridging Realities Podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Hey, people of planet Earth, welcome back. Welcome back, space dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let's come up with like all these different ways to describe what it's like to be a human. (laughs) It's such a weird deal. So weird. It's so weird. I love it and hate it at the same time. Oh, totally. And it's hard and good and everything. And you know, and then we just die. So why is it such a big deal? deal. No big deal. Just stop worrying about everything right now because you're going to die someday. Seriously. And it's all good. It's all, it is. It's fine. Like plants die. Right. Uh, you know, everything dies, everything leaves us. So let's just, uh, let's just be like, yep, yeah, we're humans. We're here. We messed up. We did good things. Whatever. Let's, uh, just accept it. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm going to miss myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to miss being me. <laughs> Oh yeah, I feel you, girl. That that's a good. That's true. Like like this is it. This is the one yeah. shot in this form, this body, this incarnation. These families, these uh, cities, challenges, these challenges, and yep. gifts, and gifts. Totally. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, it's you know appropriate that we're talking like this as we move into the second half of the chart for part two of our zodiacal wheel series. Uh, but, you know, so I'm an Aquarius and we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. And I was talking to a friend the other day and, you know, I said, so you don't really think about the future? You know, we were talking about something. No, she said, I don't really think about the future. I was like, it's funny because not only do I think about the future, but I think of it like, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years past my death. Like, I think about it. Yeah, you were talking about this the last time, I think. Oh, was I? Oh, yeah. God. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I don't remember <laughs> things like that. But it's very, it's an Aquarius notion, you know. I right. Like, I'm always thinking, you know, I I think of when we'll be living on Mars. I think of when we'll be living on the new planets that we discover and, and how people will look back and be like, huh, that's so weird that we used to only live on planet earth. Kind of like when we think Mm. about African tribes and we're like, that's so crazy. We used to live in these little tribes on this random little continent. And now we're like everywhere. Uh, that's how it's going to be forever. It'll keep doing that. Um, so I think like that all the time and, that's totally. the, the Aquarian nature. And of course you're Aquarius rising. So we'll be getting to I talk. I definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I want to, before we dive into this, the seventh house, I realized I didn't mention on the last time that, cause I started talking about the doshas and yeah. I just wanted to say that Leo in my interpretation is the Pitta dosha yeah. and then Virgo is the Vata dosha. So dry, you know, um, earthy like that kind of sandy kind of energy with that with Virgo um and also because of that you know with the doshas it being very much connected to like our relationship to things or like how we engage with life you know how we react or respond to life Mm -hmm. so um 
Leo being very fiery and like reactive and like, wow, okay, yeah, like enthusiastic. And uh, Virgo is kind of like very particular about things and maybe a little anxious and worrisome about that. So I just wanted to bring that in as well. Cautious, yeah. Cautious, yeah. Now, I don't know anything about these except for, you know, peripheral. Uh, Do these, would you say they relate to all of the elements? So, you know, we've got fire, we've got water, we've got earth um, and air. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So do they, I don't know, do they relate to all of those in that way? Or is it really specifically to those signs? I mean, I I think we could go through and play with that. It's just because I wrote that article that... Mm. I specifically thought of those things while I was contemplating the signs. Yeah. But we can go through and I can kind of piece that together and see what would be. What I really like to do is take systems, like multiple systems, and like layer them. Yeah. So also something that I don't know if I mentioned was in the medicine wheel of the Native American medicine wheel, the South represents the child. So it's perfect that it aligns for, you know, with uh, cancer and childhood. Yeah. Yeah, and so now we're moving into the... West. Yep, so what's that all about in Native American? Uh, the West is the place of the psyche. And mm. actually, in, in the medicine wheel, it's a place of adolescence. It's a place where we like kind of turn inward to our inner self. And not in the inner sense of like our emotional life in the fourth house way, but in the way in which we start thinking of, our, of ourselves in relationship to other people. Mm. So... Um, it's a place of like the shadow, like going into our shadow and kind of like ex- seeing like what's in there and that sort of thing. Right. Right. And uh, that was of course the time of vision questing and, right. uh, and of course what the, the indigenous people recognized much better than our culture is that the vision quest creates mortality. Uh, so it's what takes a child teenager from being a child or a teenager to an adult because that's what makes us distinctively different than young ones is we realize we'll die and when kids and teenagers are going out and about it's not for survival's tool to know that you know if you're going to go out hunting for meat and going out and procreating and things of that nature um it's it wouldn't be in our best interest to understand that yet at that point because we wouldn't go out and hunt and we probably wouldn't make some of the decisions we make if we recognize the implications of this one life here. Uh, but the vision quest was certainly facilitating the passage into adult- adulthood because you would go out without food and water and you'd have to learn how to survive and ultimately face your death and your mortality. And I see that really resonating um, with that part of the chart in terms of, you know, I really see the present day vision quest as the twenties uh, and we, we do really, really self-harming things, which unfortunately sometimes will become pe- lifelong patterns. Um, but we do those self-harming things, but we also, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, there's a thin line we're constantly walking in that time in our life and we're, we're testing the limits. We're testing the boundaries. And then of course, Saturn return comes in and, and <laughs> forces us to face those boundaries and those limits thank goodness and uh and then we come out of it and we move into libra and we bounce into the second half of the chart which is a huge leap um and i'm gonna have you definitely speak on this the the only thing i want to say prior to that is this to me is when we get into our 30s and even if we've had relationships marriages whatever it doesn't matter we 
yearn for partnership in our 30s in a way that I don't think we do as much in our 20s in the sense that we realize life is hard, that it's challenging and that we need help. And so we get business partners, we get pet partners, we get intimate partners, friendship partners, and we ask for help if if, if we can. And I think I'm really excited that we're going to get to bring in the polarity because the polarity of Libra is Aries and we always have to consider the polarity uh, and Aries is when the cord gets cut and it's like Libra is when we seek to record to reconnect and have partnership so that's um just a little introduction to libra how about how would you you would like to talk about that well said yeah business um, partner <laughs> business partner <laughs> and i have three planets in the seventh house including saturn mm. um, and my north node so yeah i'm very much a seventh house type of gal yes. um yeah it's the second cardinal sign it's an air sign it's ruled by venus and the phrase associated with Libra in the seventh house is I relate. Um, this is where we come into relationship with other people and where we compromise and understand the definition of diplomacy. Um, it's a place of, I actually call it the house of mirrors because it's a place where we get our reflection hmm. through relationships. Love um, that. Yeah. So, um, and it's also in, you know, not always the best reflection, right? So it's also the place of open enemies and people where we might have um, disagreements and where we need to sort things out, um, differences of opinion, that sort of thing. So that's where the air mental quality of Libra is expressed. But uh, the other piece of Libra that people obviously know more about is the harmonious, um, creative aspect of an expression of Venus, um, through that sign. So I know some people get confused with that. They're like, well, how does Venus and rule Taurus and Libra? So there's just, you know, multitude of ways in which these planets express themselves because they're multivalent. So that's what I'd like to say about seventh house Libra. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, with that polarity to Aries, so Aries is ruled by Mars, the god of war, or Aries, the god of war. Libra, the polarity is ruled by Venus, goddess of love, and looking at the axis of that, and that um, to merge and to separate, to merge and to separate, to merge and to separate. Those are qualities of this, the first seventh house and, and those two two planets and those two signs. So, um, yeah, that's Libra. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And of course, let's get married. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's you, you know, I I never thought you know being an Aquarian with a lot of other stuff going on, I never really uh, got it. I don't think. And then as I get older, I'm like, oh, that's the benefit of partnership. Get it? Okay, that makes sense. So um, it's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So then uh, we move into Scorpio and. Um, this is when we delve into the intimacy with the partners. And um, uh, I always say this, this piece, like, uh, you know, when we started the podcast today, I wasn't like, welcome to Bridging Realities. Did anyone have hot sex last night? Uh, Danielle, tell me about your sex life. Oh my Um, God, I did actually. (laughs) So funny that you said that. Um, <laughs> um, right, but it's something that we don't typically 
start off with, right? Or I didn't be like, hey, Danielle, on on today's episode, let's discuss our finances. How much is in your bank account? Right. Um, And we didn't say, we didn't start this podcast with, hey, so what's up around grief and loss? Like, what are you losing and what are you missing right now? Because Actually, though, we talked about death. Oh, we did. We did. <laughs> we covered one of the taboos of the right. eighth house Scorpio. Yeah. Right. Okay. That is so awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about death, but maybe we didn't even talk so much about, oh, we did. We talked about the grief around it. Um, yeah. But these, regardless, these are three episodes that are not episodes, excuse me, qualities that it's just not stuff we talk about at coffee shops with strangers about. Um, it's not something that I, you know, am going to tell strangers. I mean, n- really, there's a, not even a couple of people who know how much money I have. There's not even, you know, there's maybe a handful of people who know about my sex life. Um, there might be more people know about my grief life because I am a grief therapist. But these are things that I will only share with you if I trust you, if I have developed a partnership with you and and I feel intimate with you and I can do that. And to me, that's the Scorpio phase of life. So um, go. What do you got with Scorpio? My and friend? I absolutely love to talk about this shit. Me too. I have Mercury I love in the it. eighth. Yeah. yeah I, um, I have Pluto in the eighth house and right. Libra. So I'm just like, Boom. yeah, let's go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I call this uh, well, okay. So for Scorpio, it's the, uh, it's a second water sign, fixed sign. And, um, it's co-ruled by Mars and Pluto and the words that I, or the themes that are associated with Scorpio are transformation. And also, you know, kind of the, the shadow, the dark spaces, the things that we refuse to acknowledge, um, or look at and, of course, death um, and taxes, the two <laughs> obvious inevitables about life. Um, and then it that no one really talks that no about. One, and nobody wants to deal with them. And totally. also, it's never something that we're taught no, in school. Never. So fucking dumb. I can't deal so with that. So dumb. Oh, my God. So dumb. Okay. So it rules the eighth house. And the eighth house is what I call the house of contracts or um, – the house of transformation. So it's a place of shared intimacy. Our sexuality is really expressed there. Um, it's also, I know the 12th house also, we'll get to that, but it, the 12th house is often um, deemed the house of secrets, but I definitely feel like the eighth house has that too. And yeah. it shares qualities with the 12th house in many ways and, and it's mystery and it's kind of like shrouded in darkness and, you know, um, the mystical realm, the occult is also in the eighth house and, um, the phrase associated with it is I transform. So, yeah. And let's us not forget that it is part of the water Trinity. And so when we're right. talking about secrecy, you see that replicated with all three of those, there's a uh, deep bits to all three of those and, um, fear around revealing them. You know, cancer being the teenager we spoke of. This is going to be our second one, Scorpio. Different flavor of water. Um, and then we'll move into Pisces. And there is a similarity with all that. And as cliche as it is, you know, when you get into the ocean, uh, what lies below? You know, your little, little skirt. Because uh, you have no idea what is, you know, thousands of feet below you. It's mysterious. It's dark. It's, um, you have to have incredible, you know, 
courage and faith that water will not hurt you somehow. <laughs> um, right. <and> so, um, <laughs> you know, and, and rivers, right? Like where I live, there's rivers and I go rafting in them and it's scary. It's scary. It's really scary, but it's also exuberant and um, fun and, and, and lovely and lovely to listen to and soothing and all those wonderful qualities. So yeah, yeah. go it's ahead. intense too though, yeah, you absolutely. know, and that's, that's also a word associated with Scorpio is intensity. It's like the Scorpios that I've encountered and my ex-husband being one of them, really intense personalities. And that can go of course, and, and be expressed of course, in a variety of ways. Like they want deep, deep connection. They want to feel things, um, on a very deep level and they do often feel things on a very deep level. So, um, it's also the polarity to Taurus, uh, which is, of course, the I have sign. And this, the eighth house is where, or Scorpio is where we also share um, and deepen our relationships from the seventh house. So we kind of take it to the next level and um, make those uh, contracts even more solid. But also it's the house of inheritances and the sign of, of that, like, uh, I think of Scorpio also as our DNA. Yeah. Um, and so it's everything that you inherit, not necessarily in a financial sense, although that does um, relate to eighth house Scorpio issues, but it is stuff that we inherit through our family lineage. So it's everything that we came here to transform in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And just a quick note on Pluto. I've spoken about him in Hades a couple of times, but just to reiterate, qualities of Pluto slash Hades who rules our dear sign Scorpio. Um, let's go back out to outer space for just a moment, if you will. And we got to go really, 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 really far away from the sun to get to this planet that got demoted from its planet hood during the Bush administration, during a time of incredible secrecy that we weren't um, knowing how to face and deal with. And, you know, of course, we, when we look at these plants, what, what I love so much about the top of half of the chart, uh, beyond the fact that most of my planets lie on the top half of my chart, is that um, these are the planets that we had to discover. So the planets that rule these signs were discovered through technology, consciousness, shifts in the human evolved brain, uh, Versus the, the the first half of the zodiac is ruled by planets that you can see with the naked eye that have had that have taken on interpretations as long as humans have been here. Uh, but we started, you know, Saturn was that first one through Galileo, and then uh, we went in and we got Neptune and Uranus and Pluto and and then the asteroids and so on and so forth. But you know, Pluto, we just figured out what he looks like you know, not even a year ago. Right. So he's, he, you know, he's a secret to us as a planet. He takes on that archetype. Our relationship with him is, is very bizarre. And it's funny. And we get a picture back and it's a giant heart, um, which is very, to me, scorpionic. I mean, there's, um, that, that passion piece, but it is like the heart of love to me is, is very plutonic. It's, it's transformational, driven by the heart. Um, but if we go into mythology, of course, then, um, and just a little quick caveat about Pluto, you know, he was discovered during, you know, the depression and war and major, major transformation on planet earth. Um, and I actually teach 
a lot more about him in my course because I, I really, really like him and his discovery and I have the charts of his discoverer and so on and so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, Hades, the archetype, the, the um, myth is, of course, the god of the underworld and he really just represents the soil. And so plants, when they die during uh, the winter and they start to disintegrate and fall back into the earth, they they generate and regrow out of out of Hades land and um and y- y- that's how transformation happens you know things end and things begin and 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 grief is is a constant process in fact i <laughs> i had a really awesome grieving session with some friends recently um around people we've lost you know through death and there was lots of crying and and purging and it was pretty cool. And, uh, and, you know, we talked about how it's really, it's grief is, um, it's a skill we develop because we, we lose literally every nanosecond we lose something. So every breath I take, I lose a breath that, you know, I'm closer to death or, um, every day I wake up and, you know, I'm closer to the end of the day and, um, and so on and so forth. So learning how to be non-attached and let, let loss be part of the process to me is very scorpionic, plutonian, all that good stuff. Definitely. Well said. Cool. All right. Sagittarius. I'm going to let you go with this one, uh, girl, as you've got Sagittarius at the top of your chart. Oh my God. It's my midheaven. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Good old Sag. Yes. Uh, it rules the ninth house and it is ruled by Jupiter, the planet of expansion and abundance and joy and buoyancy. Um, yeah. It's uh, all about adventure seeking, truth seeking mm. even, and the higher mind, the higher consciousness that we gain through education in higher education through college, et cetera, you know, and also all of the experiences that we may have, um, through other cultures and meeting other people who are different than us. So it is, you know, representative of travel as well. And it is a fire sign. Um, it's also a mutable sign, um, which means that its energy is changing and fluctuates. Um, and Sagittarius is also kind of like the wise guide and the teacher of the Zodiac as well. Um, and in terms of the, its rulership of the ninth house, um, it's how we connect with other people on a larger scale. So it rules publishing and such things as podcasts like Amy or Amy, I just called you. My God, sorry. Eugenia's son is in her ninth house. So this is really appropriate for fulfilling that, um, and expressing that son energy. So yeah, that's what I got. Word. Yeah. So I really think of that as now we've gone through our thirties and we have uh, now gotten intimate and probably experienced sex, death and money at this point, God willing. Um, I talk about the Sagittarius as like the forties to fifties. Um, and, uh, in two ways. One, when you talk to someone in their forties, they definitely know who they are at this point. Um, in terms of like, I am this height, I am this weight, I am this ethnicity. I'm clear about that. I own it. But there's also like a curiosity of people in their forties. Like there's a, there's a seeking after that Uranus opposition. There's like a, 
a reemergence of who am I and, 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 and discovery and wanting to do that on, on bigger scales. Maybe you have a, a nice job and you're allowed to take vacations now in different countries and, um, and explore, maybe go back to school or, um, you know, learn more, you know, and learn and then teach more, you know, Gemini, of course, is the student, the toddler, the child, the why, uh, Sagittarius is the polarity, the, I know the teacher, the, 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 um, the value, all of those good things. And, um, Yep, ruled by Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus. And so Zeus in mythology is uh, the cloud god. He's the lightning bolt god. He's the um, he's god, really, in mythology in a lot of ways. And he's way up there. He's at the top. And what do you know? Sagittarius is at the top of the chart. And so there is kind of a... Um, when we're talking about Sagittarius, we're really talking about like looking down from a place of understanding, you know, being able to look and then, um, and, and gift that way, um, as well. So, yep. Zeus, you know, and I got to say Sagittarius, I think of them, uh, lots of Sagittarian people, which I, I find myself to be pretty strongly Sagittarius myself with my son in the ninth, but, um, and I've got a lot of stuff going on in Sagittarius, but, Uh, it's very Zeus type people. So (laughs) like I always say, like, don't get in an argument. Like if you're like Sagittarians and Gemini's really shouldn't get in arguments because the Sagittarius, well, the the Gemini will never shut up and the Sagittarius will never admit defeat um, because the Sagittarius always knows Mm -hmm. what's right. And um, that's kind of the shadow side of it is, is, you know, when we talk about polarities, Ultimately, we're we're talking about uh, so yeah. So when we're going through Scorpio, everything's dying. Versus when we're going through Taurus, everything's growing. So the plants, you know, the the planet every six months goes through these changes, and it really relates to what was happening six months prior. That's just just the nature of it. And um, so when we're looking at the polarities, I think the goal is when we have outweighed charts on one side or another or in one sign to another, the goal is to really, really integrate the polarity to fulfill the chart, to fill it out. So, uh, you know, I always am saying with Sagittarius and myself, okay, maybe I don't have to know all the time. Maybe it's a good idea to ask more questions like a toddler. Um, and then for the toddler, for the Gemini to, you know, it's okay to just know to, you know, choose something. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that's why I'm bringing in polarities. I just wanted to mention that piece too. Yeah. And Sagittarius is very opinionated because it, it, the phrase associated with Sagittarius is I believe, and it's a place where we develop and define our beliefs. Um, you know, in terms of Zeus or God, uh, what do we believe in? And it is also, you know, the most religious sign, let's say, in that space, in, in the context of everything, but not in, I mean, it can actually be in the religious zealot way of like right self-righteousness and being like, my religion is the way, yeah. but, um, it, I've seen it more, you know, expressed in, I guess, people who I connect with in a more spiritually open-minded sense, um, as well. So that would be kind of, I guess, the middle ground of that is yeah. to be able to hold yeah. everything there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. All right. So now we have come to the last quarter turn of the earth to the, the to the sun. We are at the winter solstice. Oh gosh. Uh, it's very dark now. 
It's very cold here on the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, what does the Native American direction of the North represent? The elder. Ah. Yeah. So this is a place where we become uh, the wise. You know, we take all of the information that we've gathered from um, our higher education and stuff and start to bring it out into the world through by crossing our midheaven, which is our professional aims or, you know, our public image and how we shine out into the world in that way, in the public eye. And uh, yeah, it's a place where we kind of stand out in our community as well. So you want to speak to that a yeah. little bit more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to me, the phase of life that Capricorn represents is going to be 50s to 70s-ish, roughly. Uh, and this is when we are what we are. You know, we've established our life. So not to say that we're not going to have changes still at that at this part, portion of our life. We're not going to have, like, dramatic changes. We're not going to realize that we really love this thing um, uh, that we never had any inclination towards. You know, at this point, like, you know, we had a job. It was something or many jobs. And it, it that's what it looked like. And that's what it's been. And there you go. Um, I, my role has been this in the public eye. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, uh, I had a home. I didn't. Um, uh, I had kids. I didn't. You know, at this point, the die has been cast, right? And we are the elder. And... Um, it's just a t- it's a time where we're w- no matter what has happened in our life we've established our life uh whatever that winds up looking like and and sure there will be changes still and things of this nature but uh, it's quite different and you know if we talk about the seasons you know this is winter time and during capricorn season we celebrate christmas and um we gather as families and and what is the um the thing that Christmas is in this culture, it's success. You know, if, if you're successful, you have lots of presents. And, um, and it goes back to ancient roots where, you know, if you were a successful farmer or gatherer or whatever it might be, you, you get to reap the, the rewards during the winter uh, to, to, to feast on those things that you harvested all summer long. And, um, if you haven't, then you might die. You know, if you can't, if you can't pay your bills in the winter, you might die because you have to stay warm. Um, you know, you have to be successful in the winter to, to live. And so subsequently I find Capricorns are, whether they're successful or they aren't, they're, there is a drive to succeed. And, um, but I would say the majority of Capricorns I do know have uh, certainly, certainly are like CEOs and people who are in strong leadership roles and, and succeed. And, um, this is the least, um, likely client to enter my office. I don't know about you, but, uh, I've maybe in like all of the many, many, many charts I've done throughout my career. Uh, I've maybe done them for like five or six Capricorns ever. And, uh, and when I meet Capricorns out and about, they're like, Oh, you're an astrologer. Uh, and they dismiss it right away. I'm like, let me guess you're a Capricorn. And they're like, yeah. And, I'm, and, and so I kind of just chuckle like, well, of course you don't believe what I do because it's not, it, this is of the ethereal, you know, astrology. It's, it's, um, it's, not it's tangible and not tangible it's thought it's philosophy it's emotions it's all these different things but it's not i invest money in this and i get this and reward and back it's not like cut and dry like that and so capricorns have a not always 
I have plenty of Capricorn clients who really, really get it and love it. But for the most part, it's not something that they're as interested in because it doesn't necessarily put a roof over your head to think about planets and stars. Um, like going out and working and earning money does. And of course, Capricorn is the polarity to cancer. And we talked about in the last episode, these are seasonally when we're actually in these constellations. Uh, you know, cancer is when we, uh, it's the home, it's 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 time with our families, but Capricorn is also home and family because we, we gather for Christmas and things of those nature. So cancer being the mother, Capricorn being the father, uh, and you can feel those, those differences. And by the way, if you are listening to part two, please listen to part one because we have some more information in that and hopefully it will layer into this information as well. So that's my take on Capricorn. Yeah, and just to speak to what you're saying about um, Capricorns in general, you know, they're very traditional in their, they take from the fourth house and, you know, bring that into their work life. Um, And it is what influences and informs, you know, how, what they bring into the world. So um, it is a conventional sign in that sense. So it's kind of like here to carry, um, carry things through. And it's also an earth sign. Um, so it's grounded in the here and now, very practical, um, very ambitious and hardworking. And the 10th house is all about our career life. So um, this is a place where you are kind of engaging with other people to support yourself and to support your home life as well. Um, and there's a seriousness to Capricorn because it is ruled by Saturn and Saturn representing boundaries and maturity and responsibility and all of those themes kind of, uh, they in, in, are infused into the Capricorn um, dynamic and archetype as well. So, Yeah, and I should also say uh, Saturn is also known as Kronos in Greek mythology. And, and the big deal with him is, you know, it's funny, Kronos... Uh, Kronos is, I don't Chrono I, I don't know how I would say that. Um, his story is so convoluted from, from book to book to story to story. So it's, it's hard to kind of follow his story with any kind of rhythm, but, uh, um, you know, he's, he's the father, right? So he's, he's Uranus and Gaia's son and Uranus, uh, is starting to eat his children, <laughs> And so um, Gaia, the mother, says, uh, Kronos, son, I need you to kill your father and, um, and you know, uh, castrate him or, or do whatever you can. Just kill him. We got to get rid of Uranus because he's, you know, eating all my children and it's not cool. And so Kronos, of course, he goes and he, he castrates his father, Uranus. And there's a lot to do with that, um, with the Capricorn archetype as well. And, you know, it's funny. I recently went to um, a very bad astrology lecture, and which actually is partly I think why I was inspired to do these two-part series because this astrologer like so many astrologers gave his lecture and there were people literally turning to me the entire time saying what is this guy talking about I do not understand and it it was so unrelatable and it was so accusatory and it was so ugh, it was just so disappointing um how he was describing it and he wasn't you know 
putting foundation to these thoughts. You know, he was, he was riding his high, high horse of being an astrologer, but he wasn't explaining why. However, he did say one thing in the whole like two and a half hours. I, you know, bloody had to, I didn't have to, but I sat through this whole lecture. Um, but the one thing he said that was of any interest at all was that Saturn is the only one, or he said, everybody who's married, raise their right hand and then he realized oh no it's your left hand he was just a very bad lecture and but anyway they they raised their left hand he said see what's on your fingers and he said rings um and who has a ring on their planet Hmm. saturn and and there is something actually kind of interesting like it is commitment you know saturn is wildly committed similar to how cancer is you know um uh, there's a commitment to it and there's a, there's, there's a work ethic and there's a, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well and get her done. So, um, but I, I yeah, that makes sense though, because it's yeah. commitment. Like, you know, if you're committed to your family, then you've got to support them in some way. Right. Right. And it requires that you put energy into your, your Capricorn yep. essence and 10th house and all of that. So, yes. yeah. And so the phrase associated that I like to use for the 10th house or for Capricorn is I lead because it is the house of leadership and, um, the boss and, you know, being the boss and kind of being the authority boss, boss. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Moving on. All right. Oh, we're coming to my favorite. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to start it off because it is my favorite because it is my sign and I'm that egotistical with my son in the ninth and I'm an Aquarius and um, there's something quite selfish about Aquarian people, which I'll kind of get into and I'm, I'm, I'm not shy to say it. Uh, so the way I like to describe Aquarius is so we've built our life, we built the structure, we did all that and then we retire and uh Uh, retirement is very different than the rest of our life. And why is that? Because we get to do whatever the fuck we want to do. We have given our due diligence to this world. We have served it. We have done our thing. So now we cut our hair off. We dye it purple and we move to Morocco or whatever, whatever we want it to do. And it's so funny. I've been using that analogy for years and years and years. And I cannot tell you how many women, (laughs) old retired women have purple hair. It's the weirdest thing. Um, But it is a time of radical authenticity. Um, It is a polarity to Leo, which is, um, it's, it's similar, you know, in our twenties, we go out and we spend time seeking ourselves. and in retirement, we do a similar thing, except from a place of wisdom, uh, from a place of, of larger understanding, larger perspective. Um, but it is kind of a time to come back to the self and, you know, um, like my folks are retired and they're, you know, they're taking trips now. They're, they're all that hard work that they did. They're now <laughs> spending that money uh, so they can go just relax and enjoy their life and reap the rewards of, of all that hard work and commitment. And, um, uh, you know, and another big piece of it is that they're they're also breaking down their life. So they're in their 70s and they s- still buy things, but they're not going to be making any massive purchases anytime soon um, because more than anything, they're starting to get rid of things. They're starting to break down their life because ultimately, you know, maybe they'll downsize at some point or that's what a lot of people in retirement do to make their life simpler for when they do ultimately get to that age of 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 death and dying, um, which is that Pisces age. But, um, 
they're, it's breaking down the, their life. You know, Aquarius breaks things down. That's, that's what's happening to the plants in February, March in the Northern hemisphere is the, the leaves and everything on the soil is starting to break down and disintegrate and compost into the soil. Um, and that's what's happening to the plants and whatnot. And of course it's ruled by Uranus, which I spoke about briefly before, but I'm just very quickly. So the, um, uh, creation story for the Greeks, uh, is you ask a Greek, where do we come from? They say chaos. Uh, whereas like you ask a Buddhist, they say beginningless time. You ask, a a Christian, they say Adam and Eve and so on and so forth. Uh, but chaos is where we come from in Greek mythology. And out of chaos was born Uranus and Gaia. Uh, they were brought together by Eros, but Uranus uh, literally represents outer space. So outer space meets with Gaia, the planet. And, um, that is, that is Uranus. He is, uh, he's wicked. He does some pretty wicked things for sure. Um, he's not like a super nice dude by any stretch of the imagination, but he's large and, and big and infinite. And so we've talked about it in these two part series, um, that, you know, Daniel has Aquarius rising. I am an Aquarius and that we have a tendency to live in outer space. And that has a lot to do with it. Um, Aquarius is kind of the revolutionary, the, the for thinker, the out there thinker, the person who says, okay, so here's this, the box, the structure Capricorn. It doesn't have to look like this. So I'm going to break it down and I'm going to create a new future for us. Um, and, and these are some of the, you know, qualities of Aquarius. So Aquarius rising, what do you think? <laughs> um, I think it's an awesome sign. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the third air sign. It's a fixed sign. It is co-ruled by its ancient ruler, Saturn, yes. and its modern ruler, Uranus. And um, something that, that I always love about this relationship between Saturn and Uranus is, you know, when we look at Saturn, it has its horizontal rings. And Uranus actually has rings, too, except they're vertical. Mm. And so the energy of Uranus, it literally turns everything upside down. It turns it on its side. Um, and so what is that? You know, it's change. And essentially Aquarius is the season where change is actually taking place, but it's kind of underneath the surface, um, in, in the seasonal, you know, mm-hmm. description of it, you know, there's lots of change happening before spring bursts forth. And, um, uh, what did I want to say about that? So there is this piece about being able to envision the future. And that I think is the phrase that I associate with Aquarius is I envision or I invent, you know, Mm. to bring something new and original forward. Um, because, you know, change is just taking on, uh, the qualities from something else. And like you said, breaking it down and creating something new. Um, and so that is the, you know, what Aquarius does, it's the progressive humanitarian, very tolerant sign, you know, can kind of see life from all different perspectives, um, with that observation piece that I, you're, while you were speaking to like the old, the elders and, um, you know, growing older and kind of like not giving a shit anymore and dying your hair purple. Mm-hmm. I also had this idea or image of old people, watching and observing life like wow you know like they hang out in front of their grandkids or people and they're just kind of you know or just hanging out on a park bench and right. just like staring out totally. like wow life you know yeah. damn I mean I feel like I'm an old person sometimes and I, I wind oh, up God. doing that too I'm just <laughs> like wow but um 
Yeah, it also rules the 11th house, which is the house of community and friendships and aspirations. So it's a place where we come together with other people. And in its polarity to the fifth house and to Leo, um, it's, it's a place for us to be an individual within the group mentality. Um, so it's where we get to express that Leo, um, son in a sense, um, but in a more mature way of considering the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And something to consider, and I, I haven't really mentioned this up to this point, but, um, and I, I just, I just wrote an article about this, about the, the, the effect of the seasons on our psyche when we're born, um, that, one of the things I think about with the fact that I am an Aquarius is is my birthday. And my first moments in life, it was cold and dark, right? So when I first got here, um, you know, my parents didn't go take me out to a park and bask in the sun. No, they swaddled me and they turned their car heater on and they drove me home to a cold house where it was snowing outside and subsequently would for the next few months straight. But it's dark out, it's cold out, and it's isolated. Um, And one of the things that I feel is my strongest gift to to clients is to explain to them Aquarius, especially people who have had Aquarian parents. Um, A lot of, we also kind of think of the 11th house Uranus and Aquarius as the trauma body as well. Um, the, the 11th house is the trauma house and wherever Uranus is can have some trauma in it. And, and not to say that trauma is good or bad, but to say that trauma is what breaks things down. It's what breaks our psyche down. It's what breaks us down so that we break through into something new breakdowns, follow breakthroughs and vice versa. And, um, but I, I just like telling people, explaining the season, being an Aquarius myself, like, you know, so I come into a really dark environment and it's cold. So I'm inside, I'm indoors. I'm not like out hanging out with a bunch of people. It's February. Like nobody, nobody's like super stoked about like February. You could take a poll of the entire world and, you know, have a raise of hands of people in the Northern hemisphere who February is their favorite month. And you'll get like, Californians, Californians. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Always nice in February in California. Yeah. You're right. Okay. There are regions that that is much better. Yeah. But as a whole, um, in the Northern hemisphere, it's just kind of a, not a great time. It's gray and it's, eh. and, um, and so people take a lot of vacations actually during February and that kind of contributes to the, um, not with families, but by themselves or with their lovers or friends or whatever spring, not spring break so much, but just get out of town, get out of the cold. And, um, and so I, I like that because, you know, and then every year I would celebrate my birthday and it was also very cold. So I'd try to have birthday parties, but not a lot of people wanted to come to them or they couldn't. Cause you know, I lived in the mountains. So like maybe there was a blizzard, which happens all the time on my birthday. Um, and so it starts to create a kind of psychology of isolation. And just to contrast that with Leo people born in the bright sun, you know, it's super sun out, you know, we're like our calendars are packed. It's the total antithesis of isolation. It's like, I notice when it's Leo time, I actually force myself into isolation. I'm so overwhelmed by how much is going on and how much I'm being seen and how much I'm out there that I actually need to 
set time aside to be alone and quiet because it's too much. And the same goes during the season of Aquarius. I have to force myself out to be with people because it's, it's, to connect with people. It's a, it's a forced thing because isolation is more comfortable, um, at least here in the mountains of Colorado, because it's snowing and you just don't really want to go out much, you know, and, and do a lot of socializing. And so it's kind of funny how those two play in. And it, and then just to consider that for all of the signs, are you, are you Scorpio, you know, were you born when everything was dying and when we were celebrating death, you know, and do you celebrate your birth every time we're celebrating death with Halloween and Dia de los Muertos or, um, you know, or Easter with Aries or, you know, just look at what's going on during the seasons, during the what the planet does and what the collective does to celebrate the different phases of the year. Um, and then look at your psychology and how that starts to set up your idea of your reality um, uh, and how that affects the rest of your life. And, and I just want to name that because I, I think that's really helpful for clients who do have Aquarian parents, because I'm not saying Aquarians are bad parents. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying having an Aquarian parent is kind of like having a retired person as a parent. There's not, we as a whole, again, there's all variations because uh, the charts are all really different. But as a whole, Aquarians tend to be a little bit detached. Um, we're not really into commitment or um, attaching ourselves to anything because we have a an innate understanding that things do die, that things do change and things do leave. And so why get super attached to anything when it's, when it's fleeting. And, um, so I think that's really helpful for clients. So I'm, I'm putting it out there because of, of that. It's just been, people are like, Oh, that's why my mom wasn't like super affectionate and tender and this and that. And she could be a little explosive. And I'm like, yeah, like, that's kind of the Aquarius. It's like a grandparent. They're like, yeah, love being with you, kid, but here, I'm going to send you back to your parents now because I'm free, you know? Um, right. So. Freedom being a, a main theme, too, yeah. associated with Aquarius as well. Very free-spirited and not so much in the sad way of, like, lightheartedness, but just, like, I need my own space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often refer to – I was raised um, – by a collective by, so I had lots of adults around kind of not a commune, but something like that when I was young. Um, but, but there was about 35 adults and they did everything together. They were like a family. They were a cohort, not by blood, but I called them my aunts and uncles. And out of all of them, they only had, there was only five kids born, um, out of that entire group. And, and even now in their seventies, they're all, well, the group was all made of Aquarians and even now in their seventies, they're all still single and childless. Um, and I'm not saying all Aquarians will be that way or anything, but it gives you a really good flavor that they just, Aquarians just do their own thing. They have to, they have to be free. Um, it's necessary. So anyone who knows Aquarians or is in a relationship one or whatever, it's something to keep in mind. And they're the weirdos of the Zodiac. Proud, <laughs> proudly weird. Proudly weird. <laughs> totally. Even us Aquarius, Aquarius risings. and Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's, I love it. We love being different. So. Yeah. That's good. Cool. All right. So last but certainly not least, we're rounding it out with Pisces. So. Anything? So. Yeah. We move into the 12th house of the chart and into the sign of Pisces, which is co-ruled by Jupiter and Neptune, um, Jupiter being its ancient ruler and Neptune being its modern ruler, both having to do with 
religion and spirituality. So that is a theme associated with Pisces. Um, but it's also a place where everything kind of comes together and melds. And so it's uh, the oneness consciousness. It's Jesus Christ um, consciousness. And, you know, love your love your neighbor as yourself. Um, love everybody that, you know, the highest expression of Neptune is, well, Neptune being the higher octave of Venus is uh, love just pure, pure love. And so Pisces has the potential to express this and also has the creative and intuitive insight to gather information from um, the spiritual realm. And it is also, it also has the potential to be very confusing (laughs) and all over the place um, in terms of kind of gathering information from all the different signs and all, um, all of life, you know, all life experiences. So it's kind of the place where our whole life flashes before our eyes. Um, and it's also a place of escape and letting go like through different forms of escapism, like addiction or making, watching movies or, um, having, a nice drink or whatever it is, you know, even going on vacation to a certain extent is a very Piscean thing. Um, but it's also the 12th house is also place of secrets and our unconscious, the collective unconscious it's Jung's house, according to psychology. Hmm. Um, and it's a place of letting go. Yeah. It's a sign of letting go. Yeah. Yes. As we're at our Pisces phase of this conversation, you know, um, we're at the end of this two part series and I find myself in the conversation, but also out of it. Like, I'm like, okay, we're almost done. What's next? Like, what do I need to get ready for? Okay. I'm going to have to get in the car where my keys, but I'm also having this conversation with you, Danielle and Pisces to me is the end of life. And I've had the awesome uh, fortune to be able to be an end of life worker off and on throughout my whole life and, and, and sit bedside to, to the dying. And, uh, so after we retire, (laughs) what's next? Death. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and you know, the analogy I'm using for the human life, of course, not everybody's going to have the opportunity to go through these stages in this really nice synchronistic way, but this is just natural archetypes. And even if somebody does pass earlier, than in their old, ripe old age after retirement, they still go through the death process, which is, um, it's an in and out phase. You know, when, when I've been with people at the end of their life, they are, they're part here, but they're part with God and you watch it in their eyes all the time. And it's very, very, very cool to watch. And, you know, they're with their parents again. They're always like, Oh, talking to their parents. And so, you know, what we think might be crazy or schizophrenic or a little bit delusional. We're like, what do they really see their parents? Or is that like a mirage or is there really like ghosts and spirits and uh, you know, what's going on? But it is very spiritual. The death process, it is the most spiritual. In fact, it's the most, in my opinion, like the greatest experience we will ever, ever have the opportunity to, to have is, is dying. Cause I've watched it. It's very awesome experience and absolutely um it's just so crazy again we don't talk about it and we you know we don't prepare for it it's absurd but um yeah like every day should be a practice for that day um a, 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 a conscious death experience because um 
because if we can be really aware of it rather than scared and terrified of letting go, it's, you know, you watch it with people. Um, it's hard for some people to let go and other people are really well adjusted to it. And regardless, they do, everyone does get to a certain point. We would call it the third bardo in Tibetan Buddhism, but where you just let go. And everyone dies the same exact way. I don't care if they die very young or old or suddenly or over time. Everybody takes the last breath the same way. And it's the great equalizer. Uh, it's, you know, there's no race. There's no gender. There's no age. There's no, there's no outer space. There's no planet. There's no nothing. It's just everything is. And to me, yes, this is very much... Pisces. And of course, the caution with it is that we do live in bodies in this world on this planet and we do have form. And so, right, if we're heavy Piscean inclined, such as myself, um, it's important to try to stay on this earth and stay grounded, which is pretty hard for me to do um, with as much as I have in Pisces and, and it can be delusional, illusional and very fantasy based and imagination based. And I know a lot of, um, my life is spent in my imagination and, um, and dreaming. And like, <laughs> I've, I've said this since as long as I can remember, my favorite part of life is, is sleeping is dreaming. That's my favorite part of being alive. And it's very Piscean. It's like the unconscious, ununderstandable part of this, this reality. And, um, and so that can get a little delusional and illusional. And so I'm working that fine line. And of course we consider the polarity of this and this is, this is Virgo. It's like the opposite, right? Virgo is getting shit together. Pisces is letting go of it. Um, really, really different, um, feelings, but both necessary and um just uh, with the mythology it's of course ruled by neptune aka uh, poseidon in greek mythology and he rules the ocean of con you know and the ocean is often referred to the ocean of consciousness and again it's you know when you're out there like i don't know if you've ever like sat there and watched the ocean for like hours at a time and then you look down at your legs and your legs start like morphing have you ever had that experience um yeah like, Not necessarily with the ocean, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like mm -hmm. when, like I've had the like I love doing it every time I'm at the ocean. I watch the ocean. I'll just like stare at it, and then I focus on my legs, and my legs start blurring like the ocean. It's <laughs> it's such a weird optical illusion. Trippy. Yeah, it's really cool. Everyone should do it. <laughs> it's I mean you really have to watch it for some time, but it's it's rad, and you realize like your whole body starts moving in the movements of the ocean and. Um, and as you look out at the ocean, you, where it meets the sky, it's like, you know, where does one end and one begin? And, um, and, you know, imagine being out in the middle of the ocean with no land and no buoy, not really understanding what's below and not really understanding what's above. Um, there's something a little odd, odd about that as well, but it's, it's the in-between space, you know, it's, it's what, what we go through to ultimately come back again and start anew. And, um, I know we're coming out of Pisces the season as we're doing this episode. And I know that we've just, <laughs> we've got a lot of Pisces going on this year. My God, we've got a lot of uh, Virgo stuff going on. We got that access just lit up in 2016. And so I know the big, big conversations happening in this office and in my friendship circles and is addiction. It is up 
right now? Why do I keep wanting to check out? Why can't I get my shit together? Um, I just want to be healthy, but I'm having a hard time. Um, These are big themes that will be coming up in 2016. So we will continue to speak about that as we um, Mm -hmm. continue to do the podcast. But uh, any last thoughts as we transition out of this episode? I do. I have a couple. Um, (laughs) I think I also just want to mention that Pisces is the sign of healing Mm -hmm. um, and wholeness in a sense. Um, Virgo also has that healing capacity with Chiron being its um, ruler, but in the sense of, um, well, I just think of Osho's quote, let life be a deep let go. Mm. And I think that's totally the phrase for Pisces and Mm -hmm. just surrendering into, you know, it could be I surrender also. Mm -hmm. I surrender into, you know, what this life was, you know, um, what it means. It's, it's kind of, just allowing and allowing ourselves to be guided by spirit um, and float in the sea of consciousness. So it's also like meditation and solitude Mm -hmm. and all of those things. So absolutely. Well, Danielle, I think this went well. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we hope you feel the same if you're listening still and um, and hopefully you've gained some extra insights into astrology and just going back to basics. And we went from like Mars retrograde to the Zodiac. So that's kind of funny leap. But, um, you know, because then once you get into astrology, you can just it's a rabbit hole, uh, but you can't jump into the rabbit hole until you really understand the Zodiac. So we hope that this has been a helpful um experience both of these these episodes and um uh and i will be starting a class in may um i've been teaching for um, a while of course my son is in the ninth i love teaching it's like it's my happy place it's my very 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 happy place and so i have been teaching for many years i've created a syllabus and i will be uh, starting a new course in may online for um everyone all over the world because um that's how I roll as an Aquarius. And so uh please if you have any interest uh, you can visit my website at eugeniacrock.com or email me at eugenia at eugeniacrock.com which is just e u g e n i a at eugeniacrockkrok.com and um yes let's learn some more together um and and get even deeper into what goes on and the science behind it being an Aquarius. I really, really like to really get into the science of these planets as much as I can to the extent of my knowledge. So, um, that's an an extra thing that we get into and lots of other stuff. So, yeah, that's something we forgot to mention is the interwebs are ruled by Aquarius as well. Yeah, they are age of Mm -hmm. Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Technology, all that. Yep. Totally. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. If you have any questions or insights or reflections you want to provide, we're all ears, and we'd love it if you just give us a little uh, toot toot, yay yay, on uh, iTunes. Little stars, a couple stars there would be really nice. That way we can reach more people and connect with more human beings, not human doings. <laughs> and, um, and stars. We do like stars. We love stars. <laughs> That's right. We do. Oh, we just think they're so God. pretty. <laughs> I have a star tattoo. <laughs> totally. So, 
<laughs> all right. I have a sun tattoo. There you go. So <gasps> awesome. Yeah, we're all about it. So uh, we love you. Love and you. <laughs> we should come up with a song. <laughs> we uh, should. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, you all enjoy uh, the time, and we will see you or uh, hear you or all of the above. As... We'll connect soon. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll connect. All right. Okay. Peace out. Peace.